Hello there, this is Matty G, the audio and music enthusiast over at the podcast known as Too Many Captains. The Derek Duvall Show is proud to offer quality entertainment that is family-friendly. However, for this episode, some adult language and themes are discussed. So unless you're okay with words like Toasty! 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 Or this word Toasty! Listen alone or listen with headphones. Listener discretion is advised. Powered by Transistor FM. It's the Derek Duvall Show. A show about the best of humanity with guests from all professions and walks of life. Pop culture, interesting news, and hot takes. Now, here's the number one host in your hearts, Derek Duvall. Hello, planet Earth. Has it been two days already? Hell yeah, it has. Welcome back to my little corner of the universe. This is the Derek Duvall Show and the Nerdgasms continue as we journey back to part two of our chat with Anthony and Claire Bueno of the absolutely thrilling documentary, Cleaning Up the Town, Remembering Ghostbusters. The feedback has been an absolute delight and it warms my heart to see your replies touching on nostalgia, for some talking about showing the film to their kids for the first time, and some like me who refused to surrender that tiny bit of childhood innocence. I didn't touch on this in the interview, sadly, because we were running long, but in this episode, we discussed the merchandise of Ghostbusters, and I want to tell you a quick story. Growing up, we never went without, but sometimes we could not afford extravagant luxuries. Going to play at my friend's house, they had the one toy that for my entire life has eluded me. The one toy that to me is my lost Ark of the Covenant, to the point I dare stare into the open box, if you know what I mean, or that I would run from a giant boulder for. That toy is the Ghostbusters firehouse. We just couldn't afford it, but we could play it at our friend's house. Hannibal Lecter said it best, I coveted this toy, but just couldn't get it. As you grow older, you move past things. About five years ago, I attended a local Wizard World, and there was a toy dealer there selling rare toys. And behold my eyes, sitting in a sealed original package, was the Ghostbusters firehouse. I touched the box and no word of a lie, I actually started tearing up. The dealer was obviously moved by my reaction and I asked him how much he wanted for it and it was sadly in the thousands. I thanked him for letting me touch the box and my best friend led me away before I whipped out the credit card. I've gone to eBay from time to time to look for it and it's just a king's ransom. Eventually, it's like the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where... Sean Connery tells Indiana Jones to let it go. Our first guest on the Derek Duvall Show, back when the pilot was airing, was a meditation and Buddhist teacher, Victor Parishin. He said, envy is the thief of joy. In this case, I'm conflicted. Deep down, I'm still that adolescent that so desperately wanted this one unobtainable thing. Maybe if I win the lottery one day. So let's dive right into the episode. I have a random thought on life I have got to get off my chest. And then we will get into the conclusion of the interview. And now, Derek Duvall's thoughts on life. Sushi. What the hell is the obsession and appeal of sushi? It's uncooked food. Didn't this kind of cuisine result in leprosy at one point in our history? I don't know if it's just a trendy thing that people do. And I mean, look, I'm looking at pictures of it right now on Google. Sure, it's decorated and yes... I can appreciate the art to it, but it just looks disgusting. Okay, I'll level with you. The Unagi joke from Friends is a classic, 
but the actual context, it's a salmon skin roll. That is just, ugh. We've come a long way as a species in the last couple hundred thousand years or so, but we discovered fire for a reason. Cook your food, people. Anyway, now we bring you the conclusion of our interview with Anthony and Claire Bueno, the creators of Cleaning Up the Town, Remembering Ghostbusters. Why do you think a good population of the planet finds the Ghostbusters film so endearing and continuing to, you know, it boosts the superiority of, of the genre films of its time? So why do you think that is? Well, I, th I think it, it's got a bit of everything, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's a love story. We all love to be scared. So it's got that element of, of horror. It's funny. We all like to laugh. And you've also got elements of, you know, re relatable human stories. You know, the, the, the story is of these guys that they get the sack and they are enterprising enough to go into business for themselves and set up a business. They're all themes that as human beings we can relate to. And I think it makes it very grounded, doesn't yeah. it, really? And I just think it's a, it's just a great film. It's a great film and because it's the way that it's written, the way that it's produced, the way that it's been put together, the way that every scene it, you know, moves the story along, it doesn't linger, there's nothing there that's redundant. It's just, you know, the, the effects, even though there's some bits, even the special effects, people say, oh, I wish I'd have done this and that, that's a bit wrong. You, it doesn't matter. You know, there's the, the thing is with films, that films don't necessarily have to be perfect. You just need to do a good job in making yeah. it. And if there is imperfections, most people will look past those because it's like, it doesn't matter because this, the rest of it is amazing. And it just, you know, it represents an era of cinema of New York that doesn't exist anymore. No. And, and you know, you look at that and think that is the New York that from David Margulies and his portrayal of the mayor and how, you know, she was like mm -hmm. Koch, but it's just like all that gritty American and because everything became so sterilized and even like Ghostbusters 2 is, is guilty of that, even though I do love Ghostbusters 2 a lot, but it doesn't feel like Ghostbusters. It feels like an Ivan Reitman from Ghostbusters 2. It's, it, it's much more, you know, you can see that it's by the same fellow that did Twins and, mm -hmm. and all those other films that he made at that particular and kindergarten cop and stuff whereas ghostbusters doesn't feel like an ivan reitman film it just feels like a huge collaboration between different people it and just it just works like that you know you got the wit the grime the the fact that you know they're they're smoking and it's just it, it doesn't dumb down to, Some, to make it film or anything it someone just, mentioned to me it was kind of like you know it could have been a national lampoon's ghostbusters you know it's, yeah and i think it's interesting that you've got sort of the three leads and ernie and Ernie's external to this for the following reason is that you've got the, the three leads that all came out of Saturday Night Live, didn't they? And then they were comedic actors. Second City. Second City, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you're surrounded by theatrical actors, you know, Ernie Hudson, David Margulies, Sigourney Weaver. So they bring a very different style of acting and authenticity that by them playing it straight, allow these comedic geniuses to kind of shine and, and put the spotlight on yeah. them even more, really. So, you you know, and in, in fairness to Ivan Reitman and Sheldon Kahn, that they then were able to see that, direct that, and craft a, a story around these great performances with these really cool, you know, visual and special effects. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's like, as a kid, you love the special effects, the, seeing the proton streams for the first time, you know, all that kind of stuff that these days people don't necessarily get wowed by because they just think it's all done on a computer. And and now it's weird because like back then, oh, we've done so much work on the computer. This is all done in the computer. And now it's like, oh, now every time, there's so much was done on set. You know, nothing was done in the computer. 
but it's just you got the as a kid you you wowed by the visuals and things like that the fact that they've got things in there that are absolutely frightening up against stuff that's really funny and 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 there's a bit gross like slimer is and, and all that and you've just got this thing that appeals to kids but also appeals to the adults because like you've got the blowjob gags and things like that yeah. it it didn't it just it was what it was you know the problem you know, in my and it's, if, if Ghostbusters Two has a problem, but Ghostbusters Two has a problem, it's because they're trying to live up to a film that was hugely successful, mm-hmm. and you can't make a sequel. Like, I mean, now, nowadays the sequel, you know, ten sequels are planned whenever a film's coming out, but back then you can't just go in and make a film that you want to make because you're constantly thinking about the other one, and then you have the cartoons, and you, whether consciously or subconsciously, you're just constantly thinking, oh no, we've got to do like this, and now it's like you know, it's you know, nearly in the nineties and different kind of ethos when they were making films whereas you're making ghostbusters they were just you know at one point it was going to be an x-rated film because there was going to be a lot more swearing and it's going to be a bit more adult and that kind of changed they just like oh we're just going to make a film as best we can that's all we've got to do and and you remember as well that dan Aykroyd believes in ghosts yeah so story the concept of his story and the story that he eventually then co-wrote obviously with with um harold and ivan are um you know it, it all comes from a place of truth which is what acting is about and a place of authenticity this man believes in ghosts and believes he can catch ghosts yeah and so you know at the heart of it it comes from a place of truth yeah i will say this based on i mean i i my knowledge is pretty good for film history uh it came out the same time as indiana jones and the temple of doom in this, yeah. the same summerish and um Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom in America was the first PG-13 film. And because oh. it, it because it slid under the radar, Ghostbusters is actually rated PG over here. Just like Jaws or something else. And believe it or not, in the UK, it's still rated PG. But in 1989, Batman came along, the Michael Keaton Batman, and you got the rating of 12. Yeah. And they've been talking about, I've been reading talk over the years about reevaluating movies and mm. giving them a more updated um, rating. And the Ghostbusters was on the list. And I'm, oh. I'm very interested to see if anything ever comes to that. I mean, modern audiences is a just yeah. very different world now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the stuff that you get on TV, on kids' TV, that you would not even have got at late night on some things. I mean, people joke about it, but that is that is the fact yeah. these days. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, can't, I was watching something recently. It's like, you would never, ever. I, watched, I don't know if you remember Gary Davis, the DJ from like Radio 1, from, who was in really big in the 80s. Yeah, um, I remember Gary Davis, yeah. So now he's on Radio 2, mm. Sounds of the 80s on Friday nights, which I, t- I haven't listened to it for a while properly, but it's a great, it's an absolutely awesome 80s show. Um, but it's interesting listening to some of the music from back then and things like, uh, I think it was like Salt and Pepper, it's like, was it I Want Your Sex? And they were, oh, I remember yeah. at the time they said, just a few years ago, you'd never got this out there. You know, this is it with films. Like, I think the closest thing to Ghostbusters that recently was Shazam, because it definitely oh, played yeah. to that. That kind of that type that, of thing where it yeah. could be a bit more frightening. I just think it's it's like with anything with films. If you start playing around with it, even the ratings, mm-hmm. I mean, if it gives it a bit more of a, like a boost by giving it a, a stronger rating or making it you for that matter. But I just I just think it's a shame when you look at it because the problem is these days people are looking back on stuff that was made years ago and they take it completely out of context. Oh, because- absolutely. And it's just I think it's a real problem now with you know with the whole PC nature of things and the way that they approach stuff and and the way they edit i mean like all that stuff with disney and cging out sort of like daryl hannah's 
backside, which you couldn't really see in the first place. And yeah. we all looked. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's just, this is ridiculous. What are you doing? Why are you changing a film? You know, if you okay, if you're showing Ghostbusters at four o'clock in the afternoon on, on, on a Saturday, fair enough, if you want to edit it. TV, that's a different thing. But if you're releasing films, I can't stand the amount of work that's been done to Star Wars. I would absolutely kill to get an official release of the original films coming out. Uh, we, you know the only way you can find them on digital? Uh, somebody, somebody did a, somebody's done them online somewhere, haven't they? No, 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 no. Actual physical media. Do you know the only way you can find it on digital? Laserdisc. Really? Oh. Laserdisc was the very last version, unaltered original trilogy. I, yeah, I don't get I do remember. I remember that with Batman. I remember that was a big thing sort of yeah. like back then, 12. And then it was 15 on VHS because I didn't know at the time that you know, home video and, and cinema were two different entities effectively. So they didn't know. You know what the first 18 movie I saw was? Oh, no, go on. My dad had gotten a bootleg, again, pirated uh, off of the sky or wherever it was, Robocop. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember my dad sitting me down. I was a young, I mean, we're talking a young boy. And he said, don't ever let your mother here. You watch Robocop with me. <laughs> and. I, re I remember, and I watched it. Of course, there there's things in there I don't, I did not get, like snorting cocaine off off a off a, a prostitute's chest. But as I've gotten older now, I put RoboCop probably in my top twenty greatest movies ever. And my wife watched it with me I, for the first time, maybe as we've been married, maybe we've been together over ten years. And the scene where Clarence Boddicker bursts into the into that guy's house and says, <laughs> "Bitches leave!" My wife. <laughs> And she just hysterical laughing like that. And I'm sitting there like, I didn't see that coming. All right. But. I mean, the thing is, it's, you know, film like music as well. For that, And I'm not a massive like audio Philly kind of person. I, I, I really only dip my toe when it comes into music. It's, film's kind of my thing. Yeah, Everything is very subjective. And there's things that, I mean, it's like, I can't remember who was talking about it on some chat show. It's like showing, you know, you know, big, I know, and they're like, oh, I'm going to show my kids big, and they were picking it to pieces. And he's getting, but she's really older than him, and he's actually really 13. He's like, yeah, but they don't know that. It's like, <laughs> she didn't yeah. even think about that back then, but yeah. people read into it. But, and with film, it's like, like with music, sometimes, and sometimes some of those films aren't that good. Sometimes the songs aren't that good, but they transport you, the nostalgia yeah, aspect. Yeah, yeah. It's just you cannot underestimate how powerful nostalgia can be. You know, The Mandalorian, apart from it's awesome, but the nostalgia kick you yeah. get when you're watching Star Wars and it's new Star Wars, the decent new Star Wars stuff, not those bloody trilogy things that they did right. recently. You know, this is like, this is Star Wars that we knew and we liked and it doesn't hold back on the stuff that they're doing in it. And it's just, it's amazing. I'm loving it. And because I'm right now, I'm eight, nine, ten years old watching Star Wars again. That's what I'm doing when I'm watching The Mandalorian. It's just, it, and That's hopefully awesome. they'll do this. And from what I understand with the new Ghostbusters, it's, you know, it's a massive love letter, but they really seem to, from what we understand from it, they really hit like every beat that you need to do for to revive it. Not, and you know, I'm not like what Paul, and I don't, you know, I'm not putting Paul Feig's Ghostbusters down. I didn't mind it personally, but you know, it's not. It's certainly in my top ten or top one films, <laughs> and I'm probably never. I mean, I only saw some of it again recently because it was on telly, but because it's just not a classic. And there's things that think happen in Ghostbusters. It's like. He got that right. There's some things I really like that he did in the new Ghostbusters, but mostly when they're striking the old nostalgia beat, you know, yeah. you need Ghostbusters chiming in again. There's logo appearing. There's a bust of Harold. Yeah, little you know. things like that. There were just bits in there that were like, 
it appeals to the nostalgia, not and because... Well, even Dan Aykroyd sitting in the the, 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 <laughs> yeah, the, the, the taxi driver cab and he's yeah. saying, oh, I ain't afraid of no ghost or whatever. Yeah. It was hilarious. You just loved it. You lap it up, don't you? It's funny you mentioned this, the music, you know, and I have you, the soundtrack for Ghostbusters... Uh, not you can tell there's actually in my opinion this is two conversations the the absolutely epic score you yeah. know uh, the Bernie Bernstein but the other one is the actual like you know music for the film and yeah. there are some fucking classics on there and one of the one of my text tones is obviously clean up the town which is you know Thai haha but the <laughs> other one is spirit oh um, you know that that little sideshow that is on my one of my ringtones for my phone. And it'll play during meetings or thing, but I forgot to take my, my thing off. And people are like, ah, oh, Ghostbusters. I'm like, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. I've got a, what's it, the Alessi brothers. You can get through their website. They've got a CD of every version of Saving the Day that was ever made. Really? Uh, yeah, it's really good because it's fascinating because there's like the, the versions that were used in the film and then there's a live version and there's all, there's, and there's a 12 inch version. Yeah. It's well worth getting. I think it's like only about five, maybe ten dollars, and I, I got it, and it's fantastic. It's really good. good. Well, when we were out in Canada um, this time last year, and uh, and like Derek, Derek was with us because because it was technically where we premiered the doc was in uh, it was in Calgary because uh, that's where they were filming the new film, and they kind of wanted to tie it all in. So we we weren't going to complain. So we tootled out to Canada because we've never been there before. And uh, and Derek's goal is to find the vinyl of the Ghostbusters two soundtrack. And he doesn't want to get it on eBay or or he wants to be in a record shop and find it. So we went into a couple of record shops and found a 12-inch version of the Thompson Twins in the name of love. Oh, wow. It's, it's five Canadian dollars, which is <laughs> around about 35 pence, I think. So I was like, what a, this is amazing. And the hardest thing of that whole trip was making sure I didn't break it. <laughs> it was, yeah. When I finally got and was able to play it, it was really good. And it's just like, I didn't even know a 12-inch version of this existed. Yeah. But, so there we go. So that was my little find. With the yeah, they were very cool, those tunes. I, I was in Hong Kong, and I found a CD version of the soundtrack for The Snowman, which is, oh. one, of my, which is one of my all-time favorite. In fact, I'm actually going to watch it. I always watch it Christmas Eve. I remember I had to pay um, a King's Ransom at this Hong Kong record store for the for the thing, but I was like, you know what, sod it. When am I going to find this again? Here's your money. Yeah, you know. Yeah. All right, so I gotta I gotta ask. Speaking of merchandise, with the release of Ghost, you got you just got a tidal wave of merchandise, and probably one of the most successful TV cartoons of all time. Was that ever considered for inclusion in the film? It was. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. It was right at the very beginning. It was going to be like the whole franchise, and it was just purely by the time we we gathered a chunk of interviews. It got. It, it was just like this is. I, there's an. I don't know. I, there's an element of like. I don't have a much, much patience for things that I haven't. I'm not really too interested in doing. And then there was a point with like some of the franchisee, like the toys and stuff. It's like, what it's going to do is going to end up taking away from the film, and that's what I really want to talk about. And it's not that I don't like the toys because I could talk about the toys all day and the cartoons and all those because I love them, but they're like they're not my main focus. My main focus is is the film or the films as it was going to be so yeah i think even like the early treatments that was all written in and yeah, then it was, it was just like we could spend and i, I just because I, i've seen it on other docs where they do do that and then you end up spending 10 minutes talking about like the about some of the toys of something which ends up not being as in-depth as you want it to be and and i remember there was one on actually i quite liked it, it was all about he-man that's mm. on netflix and I did, they did a nice job of it but it was there was a bit where they talked about the film 
and it's about 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes at tops. It's like, God, this is really interesting. I want to hear, like, I want to see a documentary about this, which is something we might do. But it was like, this is fascinating. But they have to make it because they're trying to make a 90 minute documentary. It ends up being so much shorter. And it's like if we spend 10 or 15 minutes talking about the toys, that's that's 10 or 15 minutes. We're not talking to Richard and hearing yeah. their stories and or Steve or, 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 or Harold or, yeah. or anyone. And it's yeah. just like. Now we're taking away from from what this documentary is supposed to be about. It's not just about Ghostbusters. It's about about filmmaking and about the love of the film and, and how this film was made. So it was just like, and because we, we did ask questions, like originally we, I mean, and everyone we interview we asked about Ghostbusters too anyway. But a few of the early ones we talked a bit about the, the merchandising and stuff. No, that that's the plan is now, and thanks to Derek's what he's edited, most of that stuff where we talk about the cartoons and the toys that will all be put into the Ghostbusters 2 doc because that does feed into the story of how Ghostbusters 2 got made. Yeah, and I, th- I think as well, what, one of the criticisms of the film has has been, or, or I've seen like just a couple of people comment that there isn't anything about that, about that, about the merchandise or the cartoons and things like that. But the film, our film, ends when it does because it's about the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in the second film, we will... It. because yeah. it does it because it does it's like it's cr- I, because of the chronology yeah in the it, yeah it's sort of like it just kind of it kind of picks up where the other one left i mean originally we i did have an edit i can't remember how long it was but there was an edit of, of all the ghostbusters and ghostbusters 2 stuff but it didn't really touch on real ghostbusters even though we had interviews on it and and the toys and all that kind of stuff because it didn't then it, again it didn't fit within that kind of part of the narrative now we've separated it now there's all this room because i was very i'm always kind of conscious of I don't want to linger on anything too long. I want to give people a deep, rich, you know, bit of information. But you know, like the ending of the doc at one point was was probably twice as long, and it just and it felt it. You you know, you're just there and you're thinking it just feels like we should. You know, we've already kind of had the premiere, and now we're kind of everyone's kind of talking about how much fun that they had working on it, and it just it it just was like we're 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 getting rid of this, and some of that gets reutilized in other ways. But certainly, what certainly what Derek did, he sort of like he sent this version of the beginning of this next doc. It's like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then I still got all my toys and I've still got the TV that I, um, <laughs> that I had when I was watching real Ghostbusters. Right. I know I'm doing. So I created this motion graphic of my toys are around it. And I've still got in the old one part of my room still has the original wallpaper that when this was all decorated in Ghostbusters stuff. So I kind of recreated this image of what my room kind of looked like in this motion graphic and playing, bits of the cartoon on there and now and what we're able going to be able to do now because when we were doing the whole kind of like final bits on the film the one thing we learned quite strongly about was fair use mm-hmm. which we always had in our head while we were making the film but it was just like we just i'm not going to get too caught up on it because if i get caught up on the technicalities i'm never going to finish the thing i'm just going to make the film or we're just going to make the film that we want to make and we'll worry about that stuff afterwards. So that was going to be a question I was going to ask actually. Um, in about two questions from now, it's like how you know how hard was it to use the scenes, and did you have any ramifications from that? No, no, that is a short answer. Yeah, no, because we we engaged um, a, a fair use lawyer, and they you submit your film, you you have to inventory your film, and and the kind of the the remits for fair use is God. There's many remits of what constitutes fair use, but it has to be in the public domain. The the main one is sort of like it has to you have to illustrate. Yes, like, that's right. Yeah, so you yeah. can't be. 
you can't say, oh, we're going to bung in like a, like five minutes of the film in this year just to just to break up those two bits. If you're not talking about that part of the film and it isn't serving to illustrate the point that the interviewees are making, then that's then you're breaking the rules basically, and, and you could potentially leave yourself open to be sued. That's essentially what you're trying to avoid, and that's the main thing, which is really helpful. And that, and, and the, but to be honest, that's what we were doing anyway. Yeah. I, I was, I never wanted to. I, something we did do in the American Werewolf Dog was Landis. John Landis always used to say, "You've got too much of the film in there," and we're like, no, "No, no, no, it's fine." And when I watched it. I haven't watched it for ages, but I remember the last time I watched it, like he was quite right. There is far too much of the, the film American Wealth in London in this. So I, I really wanted to avoid that because I just, again, if if we are, we're trying to keep it down to a certain time frame, and at one point I was trying to keep it to 90 minutes. Um, so I was trying to be as brutal as I could when we still end up being getting the doctor two hours. And that edit worked perfectly well as far as I was concerned. So, but if you're spending, you know, even 30 seconds just playing a bit from a film, and that's 30 seconds we're not listening to Sigourney. We had more problems with the photos than we did yeah, with we any did of it. the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Using the, the again, if you're using it for illustrative purposes, then it was it, it was fine. But you know, things like I think Sigourney Weaver. This is, I mean, this is how granular it is. So Sigourney Weaver talking about she'd ne- she hadn't done comedic, uh, you know, comedy on film. So you can't just use a picture of Sigourney Weaver, even on the in the theatre doing comedy. You have to find the photograph of Sigourney Weaver doing the in in the comedy. And then you also have to, you know, make sure that all the, the copyright credits or anything that are in the in the image are all displayed. You can't cut any of those images out. So that, that it's you have to be really very careful. I mean, we were we were good, but there was still we had to still quite a few months worth yeah. of work to correct. But you know what? I would honestly say our film is stronger because of those changes. Yeah. So I mean, ironically, I think there's actually more footage of. I mean, we're not talking about yeah. a lot we're talking about seconds but there's times when they come back and say you could quite easily put that bit of the film in there because you don't need that motion graph you can put the film in it because we were just thinking we, we got it there was somewhere i heard about you're only allowed to use x amount of minutes within the you know so you stay on the kind of the radar and as it turns out it, it, i think that is still a case but it's like great well we'll put that bit of the film in there it's the only thing we can do because we can't find any you know, photos from that time and things. Yeah. So it, it it is, and it because there was there is some motion graphics in there. And it was because you the, they've got the like the copyright of whatever. You had to readjust it and, and put it in. And there's only there's, I think there was only one or two that we lost that I'd still love to have had in yeah. there. Yeah. And I can't remember what they were now, but it was just like, yeah, it was Dan Aykroyd on um Dan with Derek had done amazing this motion graphics. He was on a sp- he was Space Invaders. He was talking yeah, about he's playing, and, yeah, he's talk- and he's playing Space Invaders, and the Space Invaders are moving. And uh, oh, it was amazing! It was a great, it was a great pre- graphic, and it was just like we had to we had to get rid of it because he said, "Oh, it's not of the right era, and it's not illustrating comedy enough." So that has to go. It's like oh, what a fucking shame. Hey, 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 we're going to take a little break right here at the halfway point. We're going to highlight some sponsors and some great podcasts for you to listen to once you're done listening to ours. So hang tight. We'll be back back in a few minutes. Hi there. I'm Kyle Sutton. I'm Trisha Campbell. And we're the hosts of My Drunk Movie Theater. Join us every week as we go through the silly things that we wind up getting up to at our jobs working at a local multiplex. We also talk about all the current events that are happening in the movie world that affect us and affect you as the viewers. Trisha? We also get off topic quite a bit and we'll ramble, so there's that too. Yeah, well, you know, alcohol does that to you. 
So hit the subscribe button. You can follow us or listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, almost anywhere that your podcasts are available. Well, that's that. I think my job interview went pretty well. That's awesome. What do you think was the hardest part? Probably selling myself like I'm the cure for some stupid disease. Did you remember to send a thank you card to the recruiter? A thank you card? I have no idea what to even put, let alone where to get a pretty decent looking card. Man, what am I going to do? Relax. Go to the Crafted Rose, frippery for all occasions. There you will find a plethora of excellent cards to choose from. Wow. Hitting the website up now. My partner will love the custom wreaths, and I could totally use a new notebook. Thanks for showing me the missing link in my life. You're welcome. Now get that thank you card ordered and in the mail. The Crafted Rose. Frippery for all occasions. Find the shop on www.fripperybyrose.com. Use the promo code DuvalFans20 for a 20% discount on all items for fans of this show. Do you often find that you need a distraction from everyday life? Do you like true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, and other weird, dark tales? Well, tune in and turn up Weird Distractions Podcast, where we, your hosts, Christy and Alex, bring you a weird distraction to help you get through the work week. Every Sunday morning, you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Good Pods, and more. So, grab a snack, get comfy, and make sure to lock those doors. Need a distraction? We got you. All right, welcome back. See, I told you, there'd be some good shows there for you to listen to after you're done with us. Now, here it is. The final conclusion to our interview with the creators of Cleaning Up the Town, Remembering Ghostbusters. Speaking of graphics, the, using the Amstrad Ghostbusters game oh. really hit. I mean, we're talking that hit nostalgia because I had that game and it is fucking impossible to play. <laughs> it really is. I think I've, won, I've completed it once and once and that was it. And I played it a lot. I, that was, I wanted to do... I always had in my head, Harold was just, just describing about the, the, the backup traffic through New York. I thought we could do like a map, yeah. to do some kind of a map. And I really wanted to do it. And I can't remember who came up with the idea of the old computer. It might have been Derek. I think it was Derek. And because it's, it's hard to, because half of these things, they're like, you have one idea and then somebody else throws something in and then you just, and then it kind of comes together and, and you got what it, so you can't really put down who, whose idea it was but he that, yeah that was him he completely got this he says i think i'm about doing this it's like great so we did it and then i think i might have had the idea of the staple of kind of coming in and marching marching through mm. something like that the one bit that we miss which I, I wish we could have had in there was the using being able to use ghostbusters and clean up the town which we couldn't do because ray parker jr wouldn't give us a license and the boys like brian o'neill and we get on very well with him but it's also owned by sony and the, the one of the requisites of fair use is that you can't have or let the rights owner know what you're doing. They're supposed to be oblivious to it, basically. Mm. And they did know it. That's the that's the one issue kind of face. But not that it causes any problems in the end. But effectively, they're not really supposed to know about it. But when it came to the music, because Sony, we could do it with Ray Parker's, but he because he's got his own documentary coming out, he didn't. He felt at that point now that it was, might conflict in some way, so he wasn't keen on licensing us ghostbusters and and it kind of came, came to the same thing with with cleaning up the town it's like we'll have to contact sony they could start getting funny and it's going to put us even more behind mm-hmm. so we just we but then we found out we could use music under fair use because we would we was all under the impression 
not in any shape or form could you use it but you can do you can use it in the same way you just you are slightly more limited you to about three seconds but we could use a little bit of cleaning up the town but um, we had and these we could, and, and, and the alma bernstein and the alma bernstein yeah, spot yeah. exactly yeah because it's illustrating and stuff like that yeah. um it was trimmed a little bit but basically we could still use it um but because but the other part of it of fair use if you go to the licensee and ask and they say no that's it you can't use it at yeah. all so the danger for like for like oh we'll reach out to sony and we get on well with them we'll ask them if we can use bits of their film if they turn around and say you cannot use uh footage from our film at all once they say no that's it you can't and Absolutely. so jamie had done this um it's very nintendo snazzy um 8-bit version of ghostbusters to put under that which was fantastic mm -hmm. and we couldn't use it there was a version she did a cleaning up the town because the bus boys recorded it for us we, we went and filmed them do it she did this version of that was supposed to be going in in the intro we couldn't use it uh, and she did a version of Ray Parker's Ghostbusters, couldn't use that. And she did a version, which I think she's released anyway, uh, with um, Jim, Cummings. Jim Cummings singing Ghostbusters. And I think she released that. And she, we would just like to say, it's great, you can release it because you, you know, we didn't, we had to sign a, an agreement that we own the soundtrack, but we didn't put the Ghostbusters track that she did as part of that. So she was free to do what she liked. It's just like, you just can't tie in to clean another town because if it, if it starts blipping on their radar, it could make life harder. For, and it was all, we was already going through a lot of stuff at the time. So we just can't, we'd love to be there. We'd love to promote it because it was a cracking mix, but we couldn't do it. Like legally, we were really had our hands tied. See what you so, do now is exactly like I was talking earlier. You release bootleg versions yeah. and you, throw, you just throw that into the world. Like, Oh, I don't know how that got out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that is you know, and you know that could happen. I mean, I mean, depending on how far the, you know, if if the like say the US distributor wanted to push the boat out and say, you know, someone like Ray had, had done whatever he wanted to do with his dock, and they said, well, we want to do a version of the dock with Ghostbusters. It's like, well, okay, if if they're all the parties are happy, we could probably do that now. But it's it's not a, it's not something we're not going to go into. Oh God, no! Because oh, all, all that editing. Oh no, thanks, and sound blimey. mixing and all of that. No thanks. No, but there's. I think music wise, that would that. I mean, because that was the last thing. The film was done. It was, finally, yeah. it was finished, and um, and it was the one thing we thought we were not going to have a problem with this. We got on, you know, the times we have met Ray Parker Jr. We've got on perfectly fine with him. We got on fine with with Brian O'Neill. This won't be a problem, and it just. It didn't go on for a long time, but it was just like we haven't got the time. We've, we've now got, we've signed with a with a sales agent, and we had a deadline that we may have already gone past at that point. So we had a second deadline that we, there was absolutely no wiggle room with, um, and that's a whole other reason why that, that deadline couldn't happen. Do was it ever discussed about the Huey Lewis incident? No, we didn't. No, we didn't in the end because we knew, and we knew that if we'd asked. There was probably a ninety-nine percent chance he wasn't going to answer any questions, yeah. and we we had a, we was having a really nice interview with with Ray right, yeah. and Mr. Parker Jr. <laughs> as we <laughs> refer to him. Um, well, you know, you know, in like the UK, we don't use the terms, do we, Junior? Junior and so Ray Parker, Ray Parker the second. Ray Parker the second, yeah, you know, and I just. I, I, so when I went to introduce, you know, myself and, and, and Anthony to him when we met him, I said, do I call you Mr. Parker Jr.? And he just, <laughs> just started laughing. It's just stuck. And so he said, yeah, so he, that, was that was great. That was the, <laughs> the hammer down. Yeah, yeah, that was but him on the drums. That was, I remember reading something around that point where there'd, there'd been some other legal dispute because somebody had mentioned something in an interview and legally they weren't allowed to talk about it. Mm. 
and and it was just like he's not going to be allowed to talk about it anyway so what's the point of ruffling feathers we yeah. all know the story another bit we i did think about interviewing other people because i think brian o'neill um yeah brian o'neill did talk about it and there were you know a lot of people do have things to say about it and there was somebody else we were going to interview and for whatever reason it didn't happen that were there and explained essentially what happened that it was really about um they'd wanted right they wanted Hugh lewis's song and he'd said no and but they do i don't know whether they'd edited to it or not i'm not too sure but they they had that sound so essentially because ray was on the books of rca which was owned by yeah. columbia and it was brian o'neill that sort of apparently had said well you know you've got ray parker jr and he's the same kind of sound he's got that that kind of rocky bluesy kind of sound so they got him in and said they played him that and said we want it to sound exactly like this and it was only supposed to be for 30 seconds of the film. It wasn't supposed to be a major track. So he went off and did that. And so we want to use more of it. And then it became kind of what it did. So it kind of, from our understanding, it was and wasn't sort of like based around the Huey Lewis song. It's just he went off and did his own thing, but they were adamant about what they wanted. So that was it. That's the yeah. best of our knowledge. They might, yeah. might have changed it and there'd be a bit more information out there. So, but it was, yeah, it's, you know, fascinating nonetheless. And it is a good song. Both of them are good songs. <laughs> We were talking about merchandise. And as you've gotten older, obviously, you know, technology's advanced. And now you've got like sideshow collectibles of putting out these just beautifully detailed, you know, statues. The Ghostbusters sign from the firehouse is out there. Don't forget Lego. Lego, yeah. Um, <laughs> I then recently uh, just came on the market. You've got Egon's uh, Neutrona wand. That's uh, apparently I've, I've already pre-ordered mine. But um, yeah, I mean, there are some just absolutely beautiful replicas out there. People build their own proton packs now. People have restored Ecto-1. People over here, they restore the old ambulance and they, they go around to do for like charity. They, um, yeah, I mean, I remember when we got married, my wife, we actually contacted them and said, will you be the car that takes us out of the chapel and takes us to our next lo location? But they wanted too much money to do it. And we were on a budget. But in my mind's eye, I don't think it would have been probably the most epic, you know, exit probably in history is to leave an Ecto one. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just it never it just never came to fruition. But um, one of the cool things is I drive I drive a very nice sports car, and the license plate in the front is Ecto one New York. <laughs> nice. And, and, and occasionally I'll go somewhere, and it happened a couple of weeks ago actually. Me and my wife went on a, a day trip. Someone comes to me goes, "Are you from New York?" I said. <laughs> I said, no. They said, so you didn't drive this car from New York? I said, no. He goes, well, what's an Ecto-1? I said, do you ever oh, see Ghostbusters? God. And he goes, yeah. I said, Ecto-1 was the, the car. He goes, that's so cool. And this is a big muscular biker guy. No you know, way. Leathered up. I wouldn't with this guy on a bad day. you know. And he's, he's talking about Ghostbusters. So I got to get a real kick out of that. So nice. Oh, yeah. You, you're, I mean, I'm not so much into the memorabilia, yeah. but you know, oh, I, I mean, I, I like the things that people have given us. Yeah. Um, um, you know, their own patches, and you know, people have done drawings of, of us, and yeah. in, you know, uh, the jumpsuits and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's very sweet to think that people are going to that kind of effort for us to muck us. But, um, but you, you're, uh, you, yeah, the Lego house was probably the. Yeah, I had to get that Lego out. So the was... one big thing that I like is um, when Debbie Reynolds uh, did her charity auction when she fought because she was the biggest collector of movie movie yeah. in the world. Oh, right, yeah. She had um, Dan Aykroyd's um, race dance uniform 
and an actual proton pack. For, oh. I, think it, I think it was Bill Murray's proton pack. Not the rubber one, but the actual like legit product. Yeah. And I saw it went for a couple, I think almost a couple hundred thousand dollars um, to a private collector. I mean, obviously not me because I don't have a couple hundred thousand dollars or I would have bid on it. Oh, and the trap. <laughs> there was a trap as well. They had a trap. So. Yeah, we talked to Derek about it quite a lot. And he sort of like says when he was collecting, like probably about 20 years ago, he says you, you could buy. It was, it was affordable. He says, now I remember we were looking at some photos for Ghostbusters 2 went up and they went for over, I think it was like $5,000. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the fella accidentally hit a zero, an extra zero by mistake, but it was just like, just a pack of photos, which are, which are awesome. They were part of cinema history. Yeah. But the price of these things have gone through the roof. Yeah. And some things are a ton and some things oddly don't. I, I think the Phil Tippett tried to sell off the Ghostbusters 2 ghost that he did, when he, the one that goes down through the arch and he goes, yeah. Whoa. And I don't think that even sold. Oh, really? Yeah, we, I was going for they, the price was for three and a half thousand, and I don't think it sold. So that brings me to another question: When you were younger, who was your favorite Ghostbuster? It's probably Ray. I think I'm pretty sure it was Ray. God, yeah. I don't even know. That's a really good question. Mine was Egon. I I, I wanted to be Egon. I don't no. ask me why. I'm not even that smart, but I I just wanted to be Egon. We've got um, a friend who's a genuine parapsychologist, a doctor of parapsychology, and I think Egon was his. His, his go-to and guy. We interviewed him years ago because he was originally the, the doc was also going to have like celebrity kind of interviews or people who were influenced by Ghostbusters. And um, and we'll st- I was still, I'll probably use him on the special features. I still will use his interview because it's really interesting. And, and he became quite famous here because he was on a lot of TV shows and stuff at the time. Um, but yeah, Egon, and he, there was a, he refers to one of the experiments where, in Ghostbusters 2, the um, with uh, Catherine Reitman and the puppy, and there's something in parapsychology that is the same kind of test. So he quite likes kind of he likes the fact his career is taken on the same path as Egon's been. <laughs> my one of my um, one of my this is going back now, like 40 years. I wanted to be a Ghostbuster when I was a kid. I mean, like I, I like when I grow up, I'm going to be a Ghostbuster, and everybody's like, yeah, right. You just this is a phase. You'll grow out of it. Anyway, fast forward to I'm in my late thirties. And I decided to go back and get, um, go back to school and I'm, I'm working on a degree and I wanted to do psychology because I, you know, I like helping people. I'm, I mean, I'm very knowledgeable about, you know, the human condition and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm going through, um, the classes and they, you know, your, your major is, um, your major is psychology, but they give you a list of all the so- different kinds of psychology you can, you can go through. And I'm scrolling through the list and all of a sudden I stop my eyes literally bug out of my head and I see parapsychology and for about a split 35 seconds, I, re- I said to myself, I could be a fucking ghostbuster Para- parapsychology. It's a real thing. And I went to my wife. I'm like, I- I'm going to do parapsychology. And she's like, you are no, f- no fucking way in hell. Are you become parapsychology that will not pay the bills that will not, you know, but yeah, for, for about a split few few minutes there, I, I was like, I could be a Ghostbuster, a real Ghostbuster. But no, I never, I it, never came, it never came to fruition. So I remember saying the same thing to my family. Like, no, you need to like study like hard and go to university and things like that. So they obviously yeah. knew at that point, there's no way I was ever going to get that far <laughs> in my education. But like, <laughs> Kieran does, um, Kieran O'Keefe is in there, Dr. Kieran O'Keefe. And 
he does do courses and online courses. And I was looking at one point and I thought, I might, and you do get a genuine certificate of parapsychology when you've done it. Because it's, because he does do, he does, he's, he's at the University of, uh, oh, he does criminology and, yeah. and parapsychology is his, um, Oh, oh, hang on. Books, I've got books. it. Books University. I've got the yeah. book here. Uh, Books University. Um, and and I was, yeah, you were going to go and do a criminology I course. I was, there, yeah, yeah. Which you still might do. And yeah. I was deeply thinking about doing the parapsychology one. And the only thing that's kind of put me off is I've gone on a fair few ghost hunts. I met up with a fair few people involved with them. And it's like, yeah, the psychology of this is very different to what I really want to be doing because they some of them are not. Not well balanced, and the oh god, some of the stuff that I've had to listen to, and it's just like, <laughs> they're, they're, oh. so it just put me off really. Yeah. I, and the first things we were doing, yeah, in terms of once we'd done, well, done my course and Claire done hers, it was like we were doing a lot of like the past life progression thing and and ghost hunt things, and and we were going to do a ghost hunt show, but it was going to focus on the people that do the ghost hunts rather than uh, the ghost hunt like most haunted was. Um, but they. You know, there's only one or two there that I would say were, you know, normal level. Kind yeah, of yeah. Were a bit. No, no, so no. So I got to ask you guys. Um, obviously, like I said, we're talking about one of the most quotable movies of, of all time. What is your favorite line from the film? <gasps> oh, that is a good one. Um, I'm think. I'm thinking. I love this town. I love en Ernie's energy, and it just sums everything up. I really like that. Um, that's a good question because i know what my favorite scene is but favorite i do like, i think i spoke about this the other day listen to you smell something oh yeah yeah, yeah we yeah. were doing something you wanted some like little yeah, we were like, doing a social media okay thing yeah i was doing some social media i'm like can uh can you give me a quote from ghostbusters and i'm talking about the soundtrack and then it was like oh yeah listen to you smell something and i did get a look of what on earth are you talking about so <laughs> film so i think I'm at the then again, I it's like Ernie actually. I have seen shit that'll turn you, yeah, white. yeah. It's just like which I just remember that I, realism. I, yeah, I mm, what's your favorite? My ease easily, and I and, and like I said, I, I, I talk to my wife all the time. Um, is 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 Ray when um he goes to talk to Gozer <laughs> and he starts off with he goes, Gozer the Gozerian, good evening, you know, like, <laughs> like he's so polite to her, right. <laughs> So courteous to say good evening. I don't know if that's just it's unintentionally funny to me, but I consider it to be probably one of the greatest movie lines ever. It's like you're talking to like probably one of the most demonic gods, and you're so polite right out of the gate. Uh, yeah, good evening. So, um, in fact, actually, every time it's posted on YouTube, for some reason, I have to go on YouTube and talk about that scene and that good evening part. No, and, um, what happened with um, getting uh, the woman who played Gozer? Well, well, there's a funny story. We, the, the, well, we, the, would you remember, like, we were watching Ghostbusters. I do remember very well. And um, one Saturday night, and uh, and we'd reached out to to, in, to to have an interview with a publicist, and um and the phone goes, and um hello, and literally it is the Gozer Temple scene. Just, I swear, I'm making this up. Hello, this is Slavica Jovan. And um, like, and it, oh my god, you know it's like 
Uh, what was the chances of, of that happening? So, but she, um, she was up for it. And then when we were out there, and I think it, essentially she wanted to be paid. She's, for, for, for Mara and son, she's really nice, but she's, she's completely outside her comfort zone when it comes to doing interviews, yeah. even when she does conventions, from what, I, from what I understand. So she wanted to be paid for it. And we were like, and, and any other normal circumstances, we probably wouldn't have a problem. But nobody, you know, accepted any payment. Everyone, yeah, yeah, everyone volunteered their time. And especially with some of the people that we were talking to, it's like it really—it just isn't right. We can't pay one and not yeah. pay everyone else. Yeah. I just—I I can't do that. And that was essentially it. And I, I think even a publicist and stuff like that were like, we really wanted to do it, um, but she just she wants to be paid for it. And I get that, and I, yeah. I haven't got a problem with that at all. But We've it was just like, we just, we can't. But you can't—you've got to have a blanket rule. You can't treat people differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I mean. People will probably say when they they meet us, we, we you know we don't we don't speak to anybody any differently whoever they are in life and you have to treat people you know the the same you ju- you, it just didn't it wouldn't feel right to be honest yeah so and that was it so uh, so in terms of the doc we don't talk about gozer and it was purely a case of what we didn't it was because i wanted to make sure everyone we spoke to was in the doc it's like well we haven't spoke to anyone we haven't spoken to her mm-hmm. so it just became an easy edit out and as much as i wanted yeah. to because the but the goes are stories about where it kind of came from and the different actors that were going to play it was really interesting i might have put it on special features but um but it was just yeah it was just one of those things and then you, when you're editing it down and you're desperate to get the time down it's just like well that that's it's, 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 yeah, and i, it I really didn't want like quick cuts of like jump 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 and you're not you're either getting a chance to kind of take it absorb, in yeah so um so yeah so that was so that's sadly the reason why we never met we, we got mutual friends with her but never met her personally no. what future upcoming projects have you got going on too hot to handle remembering ghostbusters 2 so this is the second film about ghostbusters 2 so we've got that to finish yeah so we're in the middle um, of that at the minute where yeah. um it's just enjoying the break and yes, reassessing yeah. a little bit um, and, enjoy, and enjoying the, the the success of the film we've been so sort of um sort of so immersed in getting it finished and then promoting it and all of that it's nice to sit back and enjoy the the success and the the critical acclaim it's received i'm really so, enjoying that you use the song titles for the first one and i use it for the second one that is a stroke of genius <laughs> I, that's very clever i had i for a second there i'm like wait a minute that's the bobby brown song yeah i i, I love that song i had that on 45 well, the, That's you great. Know, it's a great track. They, the thing is, as well, if you, if if you look at it closely, as well, it, it's um, it's it's illustrative of what was going on with with the with the film. You know, the the first film, you know, uh, cleaning up the town. It was you know this film that was under the radar, and it literally did financially clean up. Yeah. Um, and then and then you know, too hot to handle. You know, tells a very different story uh, following the success of its its predecessor, um, making the film too hot to handle. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. I so think we're going to be focusing on that. Focusing on that. They're, they're working on that now. Yeah. We'll be focusing on it in the new year. Well, I'm looking forward to having you guys on to talk about that one. That, that, yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun because that one is like Last Jedi. You either hate it or you love it. So yeah. That, yeah. that'll be interesting to talk about. I'm looking forward to that. All right. So tell me, how can people find your film right now? And uh, tell us about your social media accounts. 
yeah we've got uh we're on twitter facebook uh instagram as uh clean up the town remembering ghostbusters on facebook but at ghostbusters doc um hashtags ghostbusters doc um find us our website uh uh productions.com we've got a, um, a shop there as well so you can pick up some memorabilia t-shirts thermal mug with a free balloon yeah and the the uh soundtrack is released on monday and um also you can buy the blu-ray from us it is a region b blu-ray i think that's about as much as i could say about that i have, um, a, multi, I have a multi-region blu-ray player I, that's one of the most <laughs> wisest investments i ever made Exactly. Um, but yeah, you'll get mugs, posters. Um, so yeah, but uh, Ghostbusters, uh, Ghostbusters doc, at Ghostbusters doc, hashtag Ghostbusters doc for Instagram, yeah. Facebook and Twitter. All right. I asked the last question. I know you guys, I, I've been loving this interview so much. Uh -huh. My last question that I ask every guest, okay? Mm -hmm. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing that you would like to say to the earth? Thank you. Better look next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anthony, Claire, I, I want to thank you both for coming on the show. This has been absolutely an awesome experience for me. And I... Uh -huh. I know it took a little, I know it took a little, um, back and forth to get you on here, but I'm so glad we finally made it possible. And yeah, this has been an absolute treat for me. So oh, thank you. No, thank you. And thanks for spending the time. Lovely questions as well. Cause we yeah. really um, appreciate it. And thank you again for the show and uh, make sure everybody who's listening, get to that website, get on that social media, watch the film. Thank you very much. Excellent. Take Thank care. You. Right. And that brings us to the end of episode nine. I think it's fair to say that we have not heard the last of Anthony and Claire, and I cannot wait to have them back on to discuss Too Hot to Handle. And you may not believe this, but I am actually listening to the Bobby Brown track as I finish editing this episode. It's a solid track. When I get five minutes, I need to see if Bobby Brown is even still alive. It's my prerogative to do that before I go to bed tonight. Are you enjoying the show so far? Nine episodes in, and I can tell you it's an incredible amount of work. If you feel like supporting the show, feel free to buy me a coffee. Trust me, your support means the world to me, and it keeps this endeavor afloat. There will be a link on our website, DerekDevallShow.com. So tonight, I challenge you to close your eyes. Think back to a very early time in your life and think about that one movie you saw growing up that makes you smile and takes you back to a happier and simpler time in your life and hold on to that memory. Remember to smile the same way you smiled the first time you gazed upon it. That is a special memory that will elicit an amazing biological response, I promise. On that note, I say to you, be safe, be well, and as always, wear a f***ing mask. We jumped around the schedule a bit, but next week we'll be bringing you another fantastic show with another extraordinary person, so be sure to keep checking our Twitter for hints on who that might be. So on behalf of everyone at the Derek Duvall Show, Nosta and God bless. Remember, Bustin' makes us feel good. See you in one week, planet Earth. This has been a recording of the Derek Duvall Show. 
and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.